Hi, everybody. This is Adriana Trajani. I'm the host of You Are What You Read. I have the privilege of interviewing luminaries of our times about the books that shaped them from childhood until now. We get everybody from Sarah Jessica Parker to Kristen Hanna, Mitch Albom, Susie Essman, Craig Ferguson, Rain Wilson, Amor Tolls, you name it, they come, they share. New episodes of You Are What You Read drop every Tuesday on Apple, Spotify, or any major streaming platform wherever you listen to your podcasts. Welcome to another new episode of UAP. It is the Unidentified Alien Podcast. Stephen Diener here with you for episode number 62. Now, before I get into our uh, intro and everything here, I just will say it might sound a little strange. I hope it doesn't sound strange to you because it's just me for this episode. Our beloved Karen Curtis, she's taking a little time off. So she said, go ahead, go ahead, do your thing. Go ahead, do UAP. It's okay. And I was like, okay, all right. It might be a little strange without you, but I'll give it a shot. So hopefully you're okay with just me here, Stephen Diener, as uh, Karen is taking a little time off. But welcome back. So happy to be back with you for another UAP adventure. It's been a couple of weeks as we uh, waited for another episode, but here we are finally. And I want to start by saying thank you as well. And I, I like to try to remember to do this because our previous episode, episode 61, it broke all of our download records. And I don't know if you saw it, if you follow the show on Twitter, at UA Podcast 850 on Twitter, you would see I kind of put a little thank you out on there as well. But I want to tell you right now, in case you didn't see it, breaking all of our download records, we more than doubled our previous record for downloads in seven days. So obviously that's all because of you, and we're so grateful for that. So thank you. Seriously, thank you for taking to this show the way that you have. It's just amazing. It amazes me every single time that something that, that I found interesting, you find interesting as well. I'm so happy to share it with you. So just very pleased that you've enjoyed the show as much as you have. And hopefully you continue to do so, including today's episode. Now, as we continue our Mysterious Disappearances series, because the first one that we did went back, we talked about the Philadelphia experiment, and that went into the missing Malaysian Airlines flight. And those were the first two parts. And we also talked about the time-traveling Pan Am flight in that same episode with the Malaysian Airlines flight, which was episode 61 I was just talking about. So if you missed it, you could always go back and find those. But today, as we kind of follow along the same theme, I know Mysterious Disappearances isn't in the title of the episode this time, but it kind of follows along that same type of theme because we're going to look into some famous Bermuda Triangle encounters. And you would think, you know, it's such a famous thing, the, the Bermuda Triangle, plus it's right off the coast here as we do the show in South Florida, which is where we're located as we do the show for you. You would think I would have covered this at some point, but I thought, you know what, I want to get to some of the more, you know, some of the other things you may have never heard about. The Bermuda Triangle, everybody knows about, but this is kind of taking an angle on some stories and some theories that you may have never heard before because... What we find out here today may end up being the answers we've been searching for when it comes to this mysterious part of the world. But before we get into that, you know we always have to get into the factoid. And this time, actually, it's something, it's a special little twist because it's something that, that happened to me. So I go back, and I feel like I'm telling like a whole story here on UAP, but it's my own story. Let's go back to December 29th of last year, 2022. I was... In Wellington, Florida, which if you're not familiar, is basically like, it's like western West Palm Beach. I guess you can say is Wellington, so it's just for the geography. 
And this kind of a weird episode of events took place over a period of about 30 minutes for me. And what I saw was I looked up to the sky and I saw like a steady light. And again, this is this isn't a story I read about. This is something that, I'm ha- that happened to me I'm telling you about. And I don't really come across a lot of strange encounters. I just hear about them. You know, I consume them. I talk about them with you. This is one of the first times something's actually happened to me. So I thought it would be funny to share. But I look up to the sky and it was a clear night. And again, you know, a few days after Christmas, it was nice outside. No storm clouds or anything like that. It was a nice bright moon. And I'm looking up toward the moon, actually. And I see this this steady light moving at a consistent rate of speed. It wasn't like going super fast. It wasn't going super slow. It didn't slow down and go fast. It was just this consistent rate of speed, but faster than an airplane and faster than a helicopter. But it just kind of going across the sky and it was going south to north. And I thought, boy, that's kind of strange. And the first thing I thought was, well, this must be the, you know, the the, uh, International Space Station, because I've seen that before. I've seen that in the sky and it resembled that. It was going kind of the same speed and it had that steady light to it. It wasn't blinking like an airplane or a helicopter or a blimp or anything like that or even a drone. It was just it was way too high to be a drone. But this is, I mean, way up in the sky, like where an airplane would be. So I thought, oh, I kind of dismissed it. I thought, well, it must have been, you know, the space station, whatever. But then I saw another one. And then I saw another one. And then another one, another one, another one. I ended up seeing about eight of these different lights, steady lights in the sky, going south to north, then north to south, then west to east, and then east to west. And that's what threw me off because I thought, well, this has to be a satellite of some sort. Like, it has to be. Maybe it was Starlink satellites from from Elon Musk moving across the sky because I've seen pictures of those and people mistake them for UFOs all the time. But those are normally in a chain moving together. These were separate lights at separate times, and it was just really weird. So to this day, as I tell you about it, I don't really know what it was or what I saw, but it was different. I'd never experienced anything like it before, so who knows? Maybe I saw some type of UFO cluster sighting, and now I get to tell you about it. Also, real quick, wanted to mention something that our, our listeners had told me about on our UAP Twitter, again, at UAPodcast850, if you're not following the show there already. It was it actually related to the, the episode we just put out, which was talking about the disappearance of the Malaysian Air Flight 370. And it's funny because... A, like a day after we put out that episode, some crazy new video came out showing um, thermal imaging of Malaysian Air Flight, supposedly it was supposed to be Malaysian Air Flight 370, and there were some orbs circling around the Malaysian airplane. And this is supposed to be a new video of that, again, thermal imaging of that, shortly before it disappeared. So really strange timing. I mean, again, it came out like a day after our episode, episode 61, talking about the disappearance of that flight. So later on, I'll go on and tweet out that video so you can see what I'm talking about. So I'll put that on the UAP uh, Twitter there, at UAPodcast850. If you haven't seen that video I'm talking about of these orbs surrounding what is supposed to be Malaysian Air Flight 370, then you can check that out later. But all right, it is time. Let's dig into this. And again, I feel bad Karen's not here today because I know she would love this. I told her what it was going to be. She was so fascinated. So maybe Karen's listening right now. But we'll dig in. As we know, every story or legend has a beginning, of course, right? So when did people start to take notice of the area known as the, the Bermuda Triangle? We always just have heard about it. It's just kind of always been there. 
Well, first, let's get the geography down here a little bit. The, the Bermuda Triangle is made up of three connected points. So imagine this, if you will. It's in the Atlantic Ocean, of course, and it ranges starting from South Florida. Okay, so let's just call it like the Miami-Fort Lauderdale area. Let's start the first dot there. Then if you move upward northeast, you hit Bermuda. So you have your first line, and then you move south to Puerto Rico, okay? And then you move back northwest to South Florida. If you just follow it along with your fingers, then that makes the triangle. That is the Bermuda Triangle, hence how it got its name there because of the shape that's been you know, kind of plotted out on the map. It's a huge area, actually. It covers one and a half million square miles or about uh, four million square kilometers for our uh, metric system friends. But that's a, being a huge area within the Atlantic Ocean, obviously. But it wasn't really spoken about in a mainstream way until five Avenger torpedo bombers and their crew vanished off the coast of Fort Lauderdale, Florida. This happened on December 5th. 1945. This is kind of what brought the, the the idea of the Bermuda Triangle into the mainstream consciousness of the United States and then eventually the world. This now is the story of the mysterious disappearance of Flight 19. Flight 19 was a routine training mission of five Avenger torpedo bombers. The three-seater Avenger was the U.S. Navy's top ship and submarine killer. It could carry up to 2,000 pounds of ordnance and had a range of 1,000 miles. The Avenger was robust and reliable. The doomed Flight 19 left Fort Lauderdale at 10 past two on a clear winter's afternoon. Four hours after they took off, they vanished into thin air. Man. Just like that. So we first heard a little background there about what type of planes these were. I guess you could consider it like an old reliable type of aircraft. But then we also heard the ominous details of the disappearance. By the way, I, am I the only one, let me just say this real quick, who notices that these types of disappearances always seem to happen under similar conditions? Right, Blue skies, another quote-unquote routine training mission. There's no red flags before or during the flights that would have set off any alarm bells, so to speak. Just another day like any other. So, I, I don't know, it's just... It's always funny how that works. It can never be, it was a dark and stormy night and obviously they got lost in a storm. No, it's always like clear blue sunny skies and nothing's wrong. So it's just funny how that works out. I don't know. Anyway, <laughs> this was scheduled to be a two-hour training mission for these five Avenger aircraft. But after four hours had gone by, the men back at the Fort Lauderdale Naval Base knew something wasn't right. After all, these Avenger planes, you know, they were, they were like the workhorses of, of World War II. So with five of them out to sea carrying 14 men in total, okay, there was, of course, reason to be concerned that no one knew where they were. They, they hadn't checked in. Where were they? What was going on? So what's the next step, of course? Time to call in the rescue mission, right? That's just what the Navy did. You know, you, you call in the rescue plane. They try to find them. Unfortunately, but maybe almost predictably, that mission was doomed from the start as well. Fearing the worst, a naval air search rescue plane took off into the darkening skies. 20 minutes later, at 7.47 p.m., the rescue plane also disappeared. After a massive search, no wreckage was found. 
and nothing was ever heard from them again. Just like that. I mean, can you imagine? Now, of course, there's always conflicting reports, right? There have been some uh, conflicting reports when it comes to this story. This is, you know, after the, the war had just ended. So is it possible maybe there was some type of, you know, escalation going on in that area that the U.S. government didn't want people to know about because the war had ended. So they didn't want to tell people that maybe there was some type of attack on our U.S. planes right off right off our coast. There's reports that um, their instruments started going crazy. There's actually reports that they did radio back to the Navy Tower in Fort Lauderdale saying that they didn't know where they were. And I'm, now I'm going back to the original um, Avenger airplanes. There's reports saying that they they were lost and their instruments were going nuts and they couldn't find out where they were. So what would make the instruments go crazy like that? And then they said that there's even reports that they tried to land in the ocean. Now, if some of that stuff is true, it would explain kind of what was going on there. But regardless of the fact, they were just gone. Just like that, both missions, the training flight with 14 men, the rescue flight with 13 men, just vanished. 27 men and six planes in total, gone. Extensive searches were done, but in the end, there was no trace of them to be found to this day. But it wasn't until within the past year or two that airplane wreckage was found by divers off the coast of northern Florida. This is the closest they've ever gotten to maybe, maybe finding some type of semblance of wreckage of those aircraft. Because they did find wreckage of one single plane. And it did indeed match that of a World War II era Avenger. And that's according to one aviation expert who who studied the, the uh, footage of this wreckage on the bottom of the ocean floor. Now, does that mean that it was one of the doomed aircraft from Flight 19? Or is this just a case of mistaken identity? To this day, there are no solid answers to this mysterious disappearance. For now, Flight 19 seems to be another unsuspecting victim, so to speak, of the uh, Bermuda Triangle anomaly. How strange is that? I mean... To think then that there are stories of disappearances going back even to Christopher Columbus's time. There are stories of strange sightings in in the Bermuda Triangle area. But it really wasn't until that Flight 19, of course, makes the headlines. You have five, you know, Avenger aircraft disappear with 14 men and then a rescue plane with 13 men all just gone a few months after the war ended. So that got a lot of attention, and that kind of turned people onto the idea of, hey, what's going on in this area of the world? And that question remained as we go on to our next story, because I got to tell you first, I got to say the hardest part about doing this particular episode here right now, episode 62, was having to choose just a few stories to talk about, given the fact that there have been thousands of disappearances reported in the Bermuda Triangle itself. But I felt that Flight 19, just going back to that real quick, was a good place to start, given that it was essentially the beginning of the mainstream reports, right, of the now legendary and almost mythical vanishings that take place in this part of the world. But that said, what if I told you that not all aircraft disappear, that they actually stay that way? What if there was a flight that went into the heart of the Triangle, And unlike many others, they actually lived to tell the tale. Well, amazingly, this allegedly did happen to a Florida man named Bruce Gurnan. Now, I know if you're 
used to hearing the you know headlines Florida man it usually is followed by some wacky story about how a Florida man you know uh, fought an alligator or something like that but this is a true story of a Florida man a spectacular Florida man this guy Bruce Gernon his harrowing experience has been referred to as the electric fog incident as we begin this incredible story Bruce took off and started gaining altitude Strange things started happening right from the get-go. At an altitude of about a thousand feet, he noticed a small cloud up ahead. But it kept growing. Not from the plane getting closer, this thing was actually getting bigger in size. Bruce had to fly through it, and he came out the other end just fine. Another mysterious cloud appeared at 11,500 feet. This one was massive, and Bruce had no other choice but to fly through it, too. All right, so we have our intro. Like, what the heck is going on, right? This this guy is up in the air. He's seeing dark, ominous clouds. So let's see. Let's kind of, like, set the scene a little bit more here, okay? Let's try to make this make sense. This happened on December 4th, 1970. And just let me point out real quick, it's kind of strange. Maybe I'm the only one who thinks this is strange. December 4th, this is a day after... December 5th, 19... I know it's 25 years apart, but still, December 5th, 1945, you have the Avenger aircraft disappear, and then you on December 4th, we have this story of, of Bruce Gurnan flying into these this, this weird black cloud. So is... I don't know, is there something going on in the month of December or the season of winter that makes these disappearances more potent or, or frequent? I just thought it was weird how the dates almost matched each other. But anyway, here's Bruce Gurnan, a man, uh, again, making this... Routine flight, right? There's that word again. It's always a routine flight. He was flying from Andros Island in the Bahamas to Miami, along with two other passengers. He had his dad with him and a, a business partner. Now, geographically, this would be the southern tip of the Bermuda Triangle. So if you just imagine it that way. And also, just for context, just so you know Bruce's background a little bit more, and you don't think he's just some crackpot making up a story, which he might be making it up, but this is why I want to tell you about his background. He was known as like a... Uh, like a flying prodigy because he started at a young age and already had like, you know, hundreds of miles under his belt before he was even 20 years old. So we're talking about a really experienced pilot here who's making a flight that, quite frankly, he had done many times before in his single-engine Beechcraft Bonanza. And I want to tell you that was the craft he was using because that will come into play later. So he had the single-engine Beechcraft Bonanza and that's a flight which normally took him about an hour and a half, about 90 minutes. He would go from Andrews Island to Miami. So now that we know all that, we'll dig in a little bit more here because what happened next as Bruce flew into this anomalous giant black cloud, it became known as the electric fog. And I think uh, when you hear a little bit more here, you're, you're going to know why. It got dark as night all around the aircraft. Not a single sliver of sunshine got through. But this wasn't a storm cloud, and it wasn't raining. Bruce was starting to get worried, and then, bam, he saw flashes of white light. They would appear and vanish quickly like lightning. But this pilot knew this certainly was no lightning. The flashes were so bright, they lit up the whole space around them. So I guess you can see why now they call this thing the electric fog. I mean, how weird does that sound? I mean, just imagine it. You're talking about flying into this black cloud, which, I, you know, an experienced pilot, I guess there was no way to avoid it. It was just closing in on him. I, I kind of think, well, couldn't you fly under it? Like, couldn't you turn around real quick? I, I don't know. But 
there it was, and he flies into it, and it's just, it's a really odd description of this kind of lightning all around him, but it wasn't lightning, right? There's no sound to it. There's no thunder. It's just these these flashes of electricity in what he referred to, not even as a cloud, but almost like a fog rolling in. But believe it or not, it is said that this went on for about another 30 minutes as he flew through this, thinking that it was never going to end. He was just trying to do his best to find his way through this, you know, cloud, whatever you want to call it. But it just seemed to keep growing and growing. It, it would not end. There was no end in sight for him. And other than like the random flashes of electricity to act as their guiding light, it was just complete darkness surrounding them. Imagine how scary that would be. I mean, just total darkness and all you see is just these flashes, like flashes of light around you. And you're just going through this and there's no end in sight. I could see why. So many people, so many aircraft, and, and even ships, if this is what happens, I mean, I can see why they get lost and maybe end up crashing. It's completely disorienting. But then finally, after what I'm sure seemed like an eternity to Bruce and, and his uh, his crew there, they literally saw a light at the end of the tunnel. Believe it or not, that's this is his account. They saw a light at the end of the tunnel, at the end of this fog, this cloud. And it felt like they were finally about to get out of this hellscape, really. But we know... That the triangle does not give up that easily. Just when you think things are going to get better, this happens. All of a sudden, unexplainable things started happening again. The walls of the cloud tunnel began to narrow. They were closing in on the plane. The navigational instruments started wigging out. The compass was spinning by itself counterclockwise. The electronic instruments were all malfunctioning. It was like the plane was being operated by something else or it was moving inside some kind of current. All of Bruce's attempts to take control were to no avail. Okay, so a couple things to touch on there. Number one, I'll try to go in order here. How about all the instruments going crazy, right? We, we heard that same account. Supposedly, that's what happened to the pilots in Flight 19. They, they supposedly radioed back to the tower saying, you know, we're all over the place. We don't know where we're going. Our, our instruments are going nuts. So now you have Bruce here, this pilot, saying the same type of thing. Is this some type of strange magnetic storm? I mean, is that even a thing? Is that possible? These flashes would be so heavily magnetized that it's causing the instruments to go haywire for Bruce's plane, which maybe would also take into account where he's saying it felt like the plane, like something else was controlling it. Was his plane being pulled through this current he's talking about? Is this like some type of electrical current, a current of, of magnetism of some sort that is just pulling his plane through and back and forth through these, these strange type of, you know, I guess currents <laughs> through this cloud, through this fog that is guiding him through it and he doesn't seem to have control over his plane. Is this the type of thing that would cause so many others to get lost, disoriented, and ultimately crash or somehow disappear? Or, and here's where we get to the more fantastical, not that this isn't fantastical itself, what else would be controlling his airplane? What kind of forces? Is there some type of intelligent force that is using this cloud as some type of, I don't know, abduction tool. I mean, is, is that what the, is happening in the Bermuda Triangle? It's, 
It's a very, very, very strange account and really telling too. But what happened, right? What what happened to Bruce here and his and his buddies, his dad, his business partner? Well, he didn't give up. He was determined to make it out alive and tell everyone about this unbelievable phenomenon, this unbelievable occurrence, this waking nightmare, if you will, that was happening to him, that he was currently going through. And then as if they, as things couldn't get any worse, the walls of the cloud began to narrow around the airplane, almost wrapping around the plane like a vortex as they got closer to this light at the end of the tunnel, which seemed like they would never get to. So again... You think about what type of cloud is this? Is this dark cloud that's that he's enveloped in? Is it being used as an instrument, as a tool by a higher intelligence? Do, do extraterrestrials, do aliens, UFOs, whatever you want to say, use something like this to abduct aircraft? I know it's a strange thought, but I don't know. Maybe something like that is happening here. One way or another, though, Bruce was going to get out of there, and it seemed as though... This ordeal was finally nearing its end. Bruce was running out of time. He had to get out of this place fast. The next 20 seconds were the most intense of his life. But then, he burst out of this foggy trap. As Bruce described later, he felt weightless for five seconds as his plane left the tunnel. The clouds dispersed, and now the aircraft was in a grayish haze. The men let out a big sigh of relief. All right, so I want to touch on that right there. The grayish haze. You know what I think of? If you go back to episode 60, we just did a, you know, a couple episodes ago, we spoke about the Philadelphia experiment. One of the things in that story, if you're not familiar with it real quick, it was just talking about this uh, warship that they were doing experiments on. They were trying to do invisibility experiments, and it did not go well. It's teleporting through time. It was craziness. So if you want to go back and listen to that on, on episode 60, but one of the accounts of one of the sailors who were supposedly on that ship, he talked about being enveloped in this weird greenish kind of grayish haze and jumping into it and traveling through time. Now remember that, traveling through time, because when you connect these couple of things, the, the weird haze that he comes out in and seemingly time travel, it's all... We might be able to connect these things. What we talked about in the Philadelphia experiment when it came to, you know, possible time travel, traveling through this weird greenish grayish haze, disappearing, right? Nobody knows where you are. That happened in the Philadelphia experiment. And now here we have this story in 1970 in the Bermuda Triangle with a similar account of this weird haze, you know, an almost missing time. But I haven't got there yet. So let me tell you about this missing time and time travel because you're thinking... We made it, right? We made it out of this cloud. There's relief. I mean, gosh, I feel relieved as they finally made it out of this thing. You think all is right with the world. But that's not really the case because Bruce and his uh, crewmates there, as they made it out of the uh, uh, Bermuda Triangle and this electric fog, so to speak, finally alive, you would think that everything was going to be smooth sailing. It was until he spoke to air traffic control. And realized something that would change his life and the way that we look at the mysteries of the entire Bermuda Triangle as a whole forever. Here's what happened when he finally got in touch with air traffic control in Miami. Then the dispatcher said the aircraft was already in Miami airspace. Bruce was utterly shocked by this information. It just couldn't be true. 
the distance the Beechcraft was supposed to cover was about 250 miles. Remember, the whole trip usually took around 90 minutes. But this time, it took just 47 minutes to get to the destination. This model of aircraft can only cruise at about 180 miles per hour. Do the math, and anyone would understand that this was physically impossible. So that's what I'm talking about here. Like, you know, wow, like how? How is this happening? What the heck is going on? How did he cut this in half? We're talking about maybe some type of vortex or time loop, time jump. I mean, obviously, Bruce thought at this point that air traffic control had made a mistake. But as he got closer, he saw that he really did make it to Miami in half the time it usually took him to get there from Andros Island in the Bahamas. Even more baffling, his watch matched the 47-minute flight that it took him to get there in half the time. And even the fuel gauge, it didn't cycle through the amount of gas that it would normally take during the normal 90-minute flight. And again, just to harken back to what I said earlier about Bruce and, and his reputation, he was an experienced pilot. This guy, he was taken seriously in the world of, of aviation. Again, they, they looked at him as kind of like a flying prodigy. So this isn't the type of guy that was going to make up some story. In fact, he spent a lot of time trying to disprove what happened to him. Like, he, wanted, he didn't even want to believe what happened to him. He didn't want to believe that he flew through this strange fog with electricity all around him and he came out somehow making it to Miami in half the time and half the fuel that it would normally take because it wouldn't, it just didn't make sense to him. It couldn't make sense to him. This was a practical person. But eventually he had to come to terms that he really did experience some type of time jump on his way to Miami which takes me back to the similarities that I find here, which is just so odd and so compelling when it comes to the similarities between his experience in 1970 and the experience of the Philadelphia experiment. Now, believe what you want about the Philadelphia experiment. I know a lot of people say it's not true, and I'm not even sure myself. You know, again, even with this, with, with our philosophy here on UAP is always we give you the story and you make up your mind. Is this true or is this guy just making something up? But why would he make something up? In fact, he's been accused of that. And people who know him have said he has no reason to make it up. He has written books about it. So you would think, oh, well, obviously it's a money grab. Well, you could argue that point by saying this guy's actually pretty wealthy. He was a wealthy land developer. He got you know, really into real estate even before publishing any book or any story about what happened to him. So if it's not for the money, if it's not for the notoriety then why make up something like this, something that's so detailed, something that goes through, you know, uh, your fuel gauge, the time, everybody everybody he spoke to, he has witnesses. I mean, he, air traffic control that he spoke to Miami. This is all on record from 1970. So it's just, it's really wild to me how he has some similarities when you talk about the weird haze he flew through and the time jumping, essentially, maybe even time travel. I mean, going forward through the future, but to me, this would be more of like a jumping through some type of vortex or wormhole that would shorten the distance for him. Is that what this cloud was? Did this cloud somehow speed him up without realizing it? Or was this cloud acting as some type of vortex that would normally take down any other aircraft, but because he was so experienced, he was able to make it through? A lot of questions from this. So how did this happen? That is a question that Bruce and others, again, searched to find answers for for a long time. 
After years of research and really no answers, no solid answers, he came up with a theory that it was the flashes in this cloud or this fog, which he ended up dubbing the term the electric fog, which is why I called it that in this story. He says he thinks it caused him to somehow skip through time. And even he did write, you know, the book about it, detailing all these ideas and this entire um, event in this book that he wrote. So it's all there, right? He details the whole thing, his whole encounter. But what about opposing theories? And this is this is pretty wild, but I guess it's as, as good a theory as any. What if the electric flashes in this pitch black cloud were actually an indication of something that would be so groundbreaking that it would literally change the entire discussion surrounding the disappearances in and around the Bermuda Triangle? Could we be looking at an encounter with something like none other than dark energy? Yes, that same dark energy responsible for the expansion of the universe. This energy could have curved time-space like a black hole, forming this strange tunnel. Bruce accidentally hit it, but he was lucky to get out of there. That's how he got into Miami airspace so fast. I mean, is this what happened to Flight 19? Is dark energy responsible for these disappearances? For maybe some crashes? For disorientation? For abductions? I mean, is this what happened to everybody? Or is this the answer to the mystery of the of the Bermuda Triangle. Could they, or other missing people, be stuck in some kind of time loop? Or maybe in a different time period altogether, just like with the Philadelphia Experiment. They were stuck in this time loop. They fast-forwarded to the future, into the 80s, 40 years into the future. Could this be the same type of thing? Could they be experiencing the phenomenon, a real-life phenomenon that's taking place that was recreated... 25 years earlier in the 1940s during the Philadelphia experiment. Could it be that same type of thing, but a naturally occurring thing that happens in the Bermuda Triangle? I just can't get away from the similarities where you talk about the strange haze and and the time jumping that we saw both in the Philadelphia experiment and now in the Bermuda Triangle, in this case, uh, from the account of the electric fog that, that Bruce Gordon talks about. I mean, remember something here. By all accounts, this incident somehow, some way, seemingly really did happen. So working under that assumption, okay, let's just say this really did happen. We have to realize a couple things here. That either one of these theories, whether it be the dark energy or the this, you know, electronic fog, could not only be the explanation for thousands of disappearances of aircraft and ships within the Bermuda Triangle, but you could even say then it might explain how something like time travel or even interstellar travel from otherworldly aircraft could be achieved. I mean, we're talking big picture here. Forget about disappearances in, in the in the triangle. We're talking big picture. Could this be an answer to huge mysteries like time travel or interstellar travel? Is this how it could be achieved? Is it possible to harness this type of energy, dark energy, the energy that people say made the universe. It's how the universe itself was created. Could something like this be the answer to not only the mysteries of the Bermuda Triangle, but to something so much more? I mean, wow. <laughs> I didn't mean to get so deep. Uh, so, so deep. I got to tell you, it wasn't my intention, but 
I, I didn't see that coming myself, but this story really threw me for a loop, as you can tell, and maybe threw you for a loop as well because it's just, it's wild that supposedly he really did go through this and there has to be some type of answer. How would he, How else would he jump through time? Or fast forward through time anyway. I got to apologize because, it's just take a deep breath here, I, I didn't get to cover the Alaskan Triangle. My plan was to cover the Alaskan Triangle. I promised that we were going to do that because there are similar stories in the Alaskan Triangle. And I was really excited about covering that because you always hear about the Bermuda Triangle, right? But I think the Alaskan Triangle is something that is a little bit less known. And I do want to get into that. I promised you I would. So if it's okay, we'll do that on the next episode, which will be episode 63. And I know, look, there's a lot on my list. We always talk about this list that I have. Karen always mentions that this, you know, my, my mythical list of uh, stories and ideas that I just wrote down over the past 20 years, never even thinking about doing a podcast about it. I just wrote things down that I found interesting. And I have still a very long list of things I want to get to. And I have a very long list of things that you want to get to. I've been getting ideas from you of, of writing to us on our UIP Twitter of saying, hey, cover this, cover that. I'd love to hear you talk about this. So trust me, I want to get to it all. I plan on getting to it all. But I really want to talk about the Alaskan Triangle with you as well because I think you're going to find that interesting. There's a lot of weird things with that to cover too. And maybe... Maybe we'll find some connections to the stories about the Bermuda Triangle and this, you know, electric fog and dark energy. Could it be the answer to it all? Woo! <laughs> I gotta take a breath after that one. Hopefully you enjoyed it. I love talking about this with you, so hopefully you enjoyed it as well. I'll see if I can get Karen back with us next time on UAP as we uh, go through another adventure next time on episode 63. Don't forget to follow the show on Twitter at UAPodcast850. On Twitter, you can follow the show there. You can tell us your stories. We've had a lot of you, you know, impart your stories to us. And that's always a huge honor that you trust us enough to do that, to tell us your own encounters or sightings. So feel free or ideas. We get your ideas as well. So you can write to us there. The The uh, direct messages, our DMs are open on the, on the UAP Twitter. So feel free. Any feedback you have, you can write us there. And, of course, continue to follow and download the show wherever you get your podcasts, whether it's Apple, Spotify, uh, Amazon. We're on there as well, Amazon Music. We're going to try to get on YouTube, so you can check that out as well. Maybe you can search uh, UAP on YouTube. We're going to try to expand there, too. But until next time, oh, and, of course, we always appreciate the positive reviews. If you believe it's positive, why don't you make anything up? But feel free to always leave those as well. We appreciate you so much. I know I said it at, at the beginning, but I always want to say it again. How much we appreciate you. How much you we appreciate you listening and enjoying the show. And hopefully we can continue to grow this more and more together because it's so much fun to do. But until next time, be good. Enjoy. If you missed any of the episodes, you can always go back and find those on Apple or Spotify, wherever you find the show, or on 850WFTL.com. We put the show up there as well, and you can find any of the episodes you may have missed and uh, do some UAP binging if you like. But I look forward to talking to you again on episode 63. Have a great day.